Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 91. This week, we talk with Brandon H. about developing the Wall Street Journal app as a universal Windows app. Amazing public data sources. And why you should love your crooked IKEA code. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, Xamarin Forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at infragistics.com. This week, we have Brandon H., a.k.a. BC3Tech. He's a longtime Windows Phone fanatic and lead developer of the Wall Street Journal Universal Windows app. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, thanks, guys. Good to be here. Yeah, not to be confused with the other Brandon that we have on occasionally. <laughs> I guess we'll find out shortly which Brandon is the better Brandon. Oh, wow. Oh, now it's a competition. I don't know about this. It's always a competition. <laughs> hopefully it isn't. Hopefully the other Brandon isn't listening because uh, it's going to be you. <laughs> Whoever the current guest is, is, is the best. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, Carl, who do we have for the Infragistics Ultimate Winner of the Week? So, the Infragistics Ultimate Winner of this week is John Hanna. He left a comment on the website on the show episode with Alan Underwood where we talked about uh, dev patterns and tools. And he said, great show, guys. I always care about my productivity. I use these tools every day. They are awesome and save me a lot of time. I wish you would update uh, us with the latest productivity tools. Uh, we try to do that, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll definitely try to make that a little bit more often if that's something that everybody's always interested in. Yep. And we thank you for uh, leaving feedback for us at the website. And if you want to get mentioned on the show and entered in to win the Infragistic Ultimate license, just like John Hanna, email us at feedback at msdevshow.com, comment on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever we have social media presence. We especially love those iTunes five-star reviews. And I'd just like to remind everybody that we have the Swag Bag giveaway coming up on episode 100. So before that episode, send us a video or audio of you via any social media method that allows you to put in media like that and include any message that will you think will get you selected and we will play it on the show. Yep. And the only caveat I want to add in here is if you are outside the U S and it's like super expensive for us to send you something, then, uh, that's going to not, not work for you. <laughs> Hashtag I've had on to, budget. I, yeah. I've had to do that before. So if you know that like getting stuff sent to your country is a hassle, um, let me know in advance, but, um, I know sending stuff to, to Canada isn't too bad and some other countries. So hopefully we don't have any issues there because I'd like to, you know, have it be worldwide, but, um, that's just one small caveat there. Uh, let's jump into the news. What do we got here? So when you start talking about small numbers, such as two to the negative one twenty second, you have to start looking more closely at things you thought were zero. So Carl, I read this article, I don't know, seven times and I'm still not sure what I'm reading. All right, <laughs> so, all right. so, so essentially this is talking about uh, good generation yep. or good, however you want to talk about that. And like there's several different algorithms that you can actually select to generate your GUID for you. And the first one, the V1, like guarantees a unique GUID. And they actually talk about just because the algorithm actually technically gives you a unique one, 
uh, it goes through the math that's saying the algorithm V4, which actually has a collision every two to the negative 120 second, is actually um, uh, will give you a more uh, guaranteed uh, collision miss. And the thing is, we're talking about numbers so small that it's actually your RAM and uh, errors and stuff like uh, particles hitting your hard drive and flipping bits actually have a greater chance statistically of screwing up the algorithm in the V1 than the chance of the V4 algorithm generating a collision for you. So I only run my heavy computations while my laptop is going through the x-ray scanner at the airport. So you're saying that I should worry. <laughs> you, you should probably use V4 and not worry about it. <laughs> so so hang on a second. So V4 is is better because so, they're guaranteed unique? No, they're not guaranteed. They're not, they're oh, not they're, guaranteed I've, unique. Okay, okay. So I have that backwards. But the chance so, of so, it- so what actually changes the, the is less the GUID, than like uh, a RAM format error. itself change or the the generation the method? One. It looks like the generation method, right? Because it's talking yeah, about was, generators. That was the way I picked it up. Was that the generation method is different for V four than it is for V one? In V one, they use yes. time and space coordinates, but they actually okay. say that that's to ensure a zero chance of duplication. But they actually say that if you're doing the V one using time space coordinates, there's a better chance that mm-hmm. a stray neutrino is going to hit your hard drive <laughs> or hit your RAM and yeah. cause you to get a greater chance of duplication than there is if you use the V4, which doesn't use time-space coordinates, but statistically has a higher probability just doing the raw math against the V4 algorithm. So it's it's gotcha. kind of unique. You know, I, I actually, this is really interesting to me because I actually thought that GUIDs were always... Um, time and space generated. I didn't realize there mm-hmm. were different algorithms to do it. I, you know, GUID is globally unique identifier. So yep. I took that into account as time and space ensures that your identifier is unique. But it turns out they've got several different algorithms to do this, and one of which doesn't use time space and is actually better, even though statistically it has a higher probability of generating a duplicate. It's. I mean, this is this is fun math, guys. I mean, if you're not geeking out over this, you're listening to the wrong show. It was so exciting that that Carl his call dropped, uh, so he's he's off of there. But we'll just continue without him. <laughs> we'll make this more interesting. But so so if you want if you want to buy insurance basically uh, against having collisions, what you should do is buy a lottery ticket. Then if you have a collision, you also win the lottery. That's oh, the way this math works. Probably win the lottery about five times. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, okay. The next one here and we'll just, you know, Carl, he'll just rejoin once his computer unexplodes or maybe, maybe he had one of those stray neutrinos or something. Could have been. Maybe he's running on a Mac. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, this next link, uh, Carl actually found it's uh, sample dash videos.com. Oh, here he's back. I'm going to invite him to the group call here. This is so cool. It's, uh, <laughs> so it's a site for for downloading sample videos. So basically there's like all these different uh, resolutions and file types and Links. hey, Carl, you're back. Yeah. <laughs> we just went on without you. Yeah, that happens. Um, we're talking about the uh, sample video site. Um, so I don't know what else you want to say about this other than if you just want like a sample video for, I, I don't know, for testing or whatever. Oh, you know what? I didn't even notice this. On the left side, there's a sample XLS, CSV, doc file. This isn't just videos. Like there's samples of like every type of file here. 
this is really cool. I actually wish that I would have known about this site when I was writing Upload to YouTube because you can't yeah. imagine how many videos I took of varying lengths, of varying resolutions to make sure that you know the uploads would go across and end up in the right spot on YouTube with the right quality. So <laughs> too little too yeah. late for me, but uh, I'm sure so somebody So were you just recording it. like random things? Oh, God, I have so many you, videos. You probably had like, you had all these subscribers that are just like, what is with this guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why are all, this, all of his kids just showing up doing random stuff around the house right now like <laughs> and then, and then called, of course I it's called the reality video. tv <laughs> right. deal with it. yeah basically <laughs> yes basically awesome uh this next one is interesting why you love that ikea table even if it's crooked i, I really love this article because i think a lot of the software that we write are ikea tables yeah <laughs> i can i can agree with that i can agree with that yeah we and actually we've talked about this a lot carl because I, the the way that I interpret this thing, like I I don't know, I don't have an IKEA around here. That's not, um, you know, I don't I don't know if I've ever been in an IKEA. Oh, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but but how this relates to me is like just thinking thinking back, you know, like developers that I've worked with and and myself, like we we always get attached to code, like no no matter how bad it is, and. Um, Back in my my early days, so in like the the early two thousands, um, this guy and I, I won't name any names because uh, I feel bad in hindsight for him, but uh, he wrote this crazy crazy function uh, that you know was like multiple pages long. And I was like, oh, what what is this for? And he's showing it to me. He's like, oh, this parse it was in .dot net. He goes, this this all like parse you know a date time and turned it into a date time object. Whoa. And I'm like I'm like you know there's like date time .dot parse and you know the guy had spent like two days on this thing and he's like. He sits there for a second. He's like, yeah, but this handles, you know, case X, Y, Z like this, this just completely absurd connection to this code, even though the code is never going to be as good as date time dot parse. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I think it, I think it's actually a, a skill or a talent or whatever you want to call it to, to be a developer that you get to this point where you actually are are not just okay with, but you actually enjoy deleting code, you know, because deleting code is sort of signifies like simplicity in in many cases. Part of me wonders if developers who are in that that I'll, I'll call it the next stage of life uh, mm-hmm. from many of the developers that I know anyway, where their kids are grown and gone are better at doing this because they've had to experience effectively their child leaving the nest. And when you write a piece of code that you poured your blood, sweat, and tears into, and then later on you realize that Microsoft came out with .NET's datetime.parse, you kind of have to, you know, bite the bullet and let your child leave the nest and, you know, move on with your life. And so I, I wonder if people who have experienced it in real life are actually better at it. Um, I'm, I'm curious if, uh, if any, if we get any feedback to that regard and how the demographics would break down. Well, I I think this is something that you can be taught though, if you do it at the right phase. When I was doing my internship, I think one of the first things that I had to do was do some refactorings where the senior software engineers knew that it was nothing but deleting code. So I was, I was essentially taught from, you know, the very beginning of my training that, Hey, Sometimes all you do is delete and that's fine. Oh, yeah, you were deleting yeah. other people's code? I was deleting other people's code. Uh, so that's oh, a good well, way to get into Carl the habit. Like <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great way to get a good, good reputation as an intern too. <laughs> Make the intern yeah, do it so we can haze him after work. <laughs> yeah. That's why they call you the, the deleter. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, the sad state of web development. Oh my god, uh, I love this Is this because post. people don't delete enough code? Uh, this is because people <laughs> write way too much code is what this is about. I, I okay. loved this this Medium post. It was written in very much a point of view that I identify with because I'm very yeah. much that cynical kind of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is exactly why I cannot go back to web development to this day. I did it back in 06 when things were relatively simple. And I just cannot believe what has happened to web development in the you know n- ensuing nine years. It's been yeah. both amazing and ridiculous all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm getting kind of worn out because like my gulp scripts are more complicated than than most things that I used to write. <laughs> you know, and the gulp scripts are just like you know building and you know like they do a whole bunch of cool stuff, but. Um, I don't know. I just have like the, it, like what I'm doing is sort of built on this, this house of cards. And, um, I, I spent so much time just debugging those, those gulp scripts and, and that type of thing. And then just the, the amount of libraries you bring in and, and it, it gets so incredibly complex and there's probably people listening like, Oh, you're such a noob, you know, like you don't, <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what you're doing. But like, I, I had these issues, um, you know, like, um, with with building and um, um, different things referencing like different versions of other things, you know, other packages. So like underscore versus Lodash. And then I had to, you know, I brought typings into that. So I had this TypeScript definition file and um, I I was submitting or submitted a pull request to fix this one library. And they, they're just like, we don't get what the problem is. And there's like people piling on like this is a problem and and, you know, like this fixes it. And, and, and after a while they just, you know, the, the maintainer of the project just started ignoring it. So I literally, in one of my build processes now, I have a patch file that ends up like fixing their stuff during the build process so that I can actually deploy it. Cause you know, you, you wow. become dependent. I mean, my, my projects now think about it. Whenever you, whenever you do like a new, um, Yeoman project and, uh, you know, using angular and all these other things and gulp and, and these 50 other dependencies, think about how many developers were part of that whole tree. You know, re, you know, probably hundreds, you know, there yeah. were hundreds of people worth of code in there, which is fine, but there's no, you know, the, it's like everybody's, you know, it, it sort of works, but it's, it sort of doesn't, you know, it's like this, it, it it's really hard to explain. So I, I don't know if I'm, I am in a position to like complain about it. And this guy, like, you know, he's just, I don't know, he just sort of has all these random complaints, but you know, if he's feeling this pain, there's, I'm sure I'm sure there's there's some things that are that are valid behind like, it. You know, every now and again, when I see somebody with the the level of passion that it would take to do something like React, to do yeah. something like those those kinds of libraries, I sometimes I just want to say, hey, just because you can doesn't mean you <laughs> should, right? And and just yeah. take a step back and realize like what the ramifications of what you're doing could be. You know, if you're gonna fork that thing and create this whole other new thing. Is that really the right approach? So now we have these two things existing, or yeah, is that's, there? That's is there so tough, way? though. That's so tough, though, because I mean, let's pretend like React is better. I and maybe it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just for the sake of conversation. Right. Let's say it is better than everything else out there. Then yes, this person should put out this thing that is better. Um, but but you're right. Like in the you take take a step back, and it, the whole thing just got more confusing. Like I don't know if I should use React. Right. And and now to be honest, I'm like super confused. When everybody was rallying around Angular, I actually suspect you know well Angular was like you know I shouldn't, I shouldn't say was. I mean Angular V1 is like so easy to use. It's so quick. Um, 
there's some problems, but whatever, like it's not nothing that you can, you can't get around. And I was telling people how great it was. And it seemed like, I think, I think a lot of people were using it just to rally around the same thing, Hmm. not necessarily because it was the greatest thing. And then now you have like five different camps that are all saying, well, Aurelia is the next thing and react is the next thing. I don't even know if all those things are comparable because I don't know enough about them, but, uh, it just, it just makes it so it's like, okay, I have, I I just want to give up now because I was, you know, I thought that I was doing like the popular correct thing and in, in the popularity, I think is actually important in these frameworks. Oh yeah. And and now I don't know. I have no clue. I have no clue what I should be using. I think that part of the problem is that it's, it's so easy. It's so mm-hmm. easy to create a new thing and put yeah. it out there in the world of software. Mm-hmm. That's well, and, so easy to do. And, yeah. and in addition, it's so easy to add something in addition. Uh, one, of, one of the things that he kept talking about in this article, especially amongst React, is sometimes people brought in the whole React library just, just to load an image. They weren't using it anywhere else. <laughs> now, yeah. is that a little bit heavy-handed? Probably. But uh, unless you're using that as a first phase in, in, in moving over there, you know, maybe that's something you shouldn't even do in the first place. I mean, a lot of people give like sites like the verge, a lot of crap when, you know, there's page sites add an additional 10 megs above the content just to add all these advertising networks and analytics stuff that really don't do us any good other than just make us waste our data on our mobile plans. Yeah. Yeah. But there's developer time as well. I mean, I, I was guilty of this fairly recently in my arm project. I, you know, uses, um, angular and, you know, which of course pulls it, all the stuff I'm using pulls in all these other libraries. And I just wanted to do like a simple observable thing. And the best interface I saw was knockout. So I pull in knockout, which is, you know, arguably large, uh, just to do like one make to make it so I could observe like one thing. Um, and I don't know, like, should I have reinvented that? I I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I made my life better or worse. Yeah. You know, it's I'm I'm thinking about like how this works in other industries and you think about somebody like Tesla who has, you know, reinvented automobiles and and how mm-hmm. we think cars should behave and but before Tesla came to market and everybody could rally around Tesla, they really had to get all of their ducks in a row and flesh that thing out eight ways yeah. from Sunday. And that's what I mean when I say that it's it's almost like it's a blessing and a curse that software development is so easy to create mm-hmm. new thing, next thing, X, and throw it out there for the world. Because if if people had to actually be concerned that that next library they write for JavaScript could kill somebody, we would have a lot fewer lo- Java, uh, JavaScript libraries and yeah. more that are well well adopted and well you know constructed and well thought through if we had to be concerned that that next line of code was going to kill somebody you know so it's it's just that it's just the world that we live in the software world has the ability to change so rapidly and easily and you know for better or worse it it can be you know like i said a blessing or a curse yeah, I kind of miss the .NET versus Java days. Like, yeah, it was so exactly. simple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could just it was just you just picked a team and and you know and you could just irrationally say your your team was the best. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> okay, well that really that really went downhill. Uh, <laughs> my favorite public data sources. Hopefully this one's more upbeat. Um, so this was uh, JenUnderwood.com. So I'm guessing Jen Underwood wrote this. Um, and it's loading on mine. The site is slow all of a sudden and we lost Carl again. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) this is titled my favorite public data sources. So it's just a, 
you know, talking about a couple different, uh, uh, just, you know, obviously public data sources like Crunchbase and things like that. But there's a whole bunch of other data sources in here that you can pull in. Uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Census Bureau data. Hey, Carl's back. Uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, I don't know. Google Trends, Google Public Data, you know, sports reference data, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's a huge list of, of really good stuff in here. So That is cool. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. So if you're into data, here's well, a there's whole bunch. A, there's a lot of app ideas sitting right in here. Yeah. A lot of oh, I know. That, that's the thing right too. Like you, you never know, um, uh, you know, with a lot of app ideas that I hear, you know, it's like, well, listen, that data just doesn't exist. Like, exactly. you know, nobody has put it into one thing. So you're right. Starting, starting from the other direction saying like, well, I have this data. What can I do with it? Might actually be a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there was a number of years ago, I wanted to create an app for, you know, how did my congressman vote? Yeah, and I was like, "How do I get that data?" And it's out there, and it's actually—I think it's listed on this page, if I if I saw correctly. Okay. Um, the U.S. you know data.gov, I believe, is where you can go to start. Okay. Down that down that path. Somebody else, feel free to take that idea because I would love to know it, and I would love to have that app <laughs> on my phone. So yeah, but it's there's a lot of stuff here. <clears throat> yeah, and I I wrote this is a little bit of a tangent, but I wrote a a, a tracking application for tracking packages. Um, I was going to say a few years ago. I guess it was over a decade ago. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, so I was tapping into all of the the carriers and they all have like these terms, the terms of service. Yeah. And this is the other issue is their terms of service basically say like, yeah, we're making this available, but if you use it uh, and we don't like it, we're just going to kill you. And there's <laughs> lots of examples of that. Um, so I actually, I wish, I don't even know if I still have it. I should have kept it. So I have, um, uh, a, a letter, and this was a couple of years after it was out there, a letter from uh, the UPS legal team wow. telling me to cease and desist using their data. Wow. And uh, yeah, in, in what was frustrating, so I did. <laughs> um, actually, what I ended up doing is there was somebody else that was still using it. This this I guess this is pr- pretty shady. Um, so I'm only sharing this with this group. Uh, this is pretty shady. But there was this other guy that was basically running the same type of thing. And I, I emailed him and I'm like, can I just piggyback off of your data? Which was obviously the same data, but it was his API key. He's like, yeah, sure. And they never sent him anything. Uh, so I kept the data flowing. But then what was frustrating, you know, there was a big period of time where I had no data. And there then all these other sites basically, I, I opened a big, up a big gap. All these other sites came in and they started using the data against the terms of service just like I was. And I think because there were so many that UPS never contacted them. Ugh. So so basically like my I had the number one site. I even had Google talk about me. Like it was like super huge and I was making a ton of money off of it and it died because I got that cease and desist. That stinks. Yeah. A friend of mine said that I should have just kept doing it because it would have been a good social media story, you know, like UPS versus the little guy, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. Probably but that was before social media was one of those things you could wield as a weapon. Yeah. Well, I think it was, I think it was starting, you know, you had a, you had a little bit of that effect. Um, okay. And the only other thing we we're going to talk about, you had mentioned Brandon, uh, that there's a surface book for the low, low price of $31.99. That's $3,199. So that's the one terabyte SSD surface book. How much memory does that have then? I think that's got the 16 gigs of Ram, um, on it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's the fully loaded. It's, it's the big boy. Okay. So it's pricey. Yeah. Uh to to be sure. Um but yeah, if you need that, that is now available. Um so it took if you a have long more, time. Yeah, if you have more money than you know what to do with, um <laughs> that's your 
that's your option. And maybe just send us some money as well. I was well. going to say, just give me a call and I will gladly <laughs> yeah. help you with that problem. Yeah. If you heard about uh, that, that model from the show and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go order that now, then just please like send us a finder's fee. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. So let's get into questions. You want to kick these off, Carl? Yeah. So Brandon, can you tell us a little bit about where you work and your personal experience in develop, developing applications? Yeah. So right now I'm actually employed by Dow Jones, um, uh, a subsidiary, I guess, of uh, News Corp, 21st Century Fox. You know, we own properties like uh, Wall Street Journal, Barron's, uh, Market Watch. Uh, they have an office in Minneapolis, which is a really cool kind of startup y feel office. That Literally uh, right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very cool <laughs> right now. Yeah. Actually, we're having a really warm spell right now. It's 24 yep. degrees outside. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, so that's where I work. i um, been working there for about a little over six months now. Uh, really, enjoying, really enjoying my job there. Um, so, for them, uh, I did develop the, I was part of a two man team that developed the Wall Street Journal Universal Windows app that was released to big windows on, uh, in December, on December 10th. But something that a lot of people don't know is that we actually released for Windows Mobile, uh, Windows 10 Mobile, uh, on October 1st. The first goal was actually mobile, and then we went to big windows. Um, so that's, of course, Windows 10 Mobile being still in only Insider Preview was much large, much smaller uh, base of people, but uh, we did hit that first. So that was kind of interesting. So how did you actually do that? Because was, was it a universal app at that point? It was, it was universal. We started off with UWP. We just only focused and only built the mobile side. And then basically all oh. we did is talk to our designer and said, all right, now let's talk about, you know, the infinitely sizable window that is big windows, you know, all the way up to 4k all the way down. Um, so then we just kind of tackled it from the design standpoint after we had the mobile side built. Well, I feel kind of silly because I didn't realize you could do that. So is that a store option or is that in the project properties itself where you can say, Hey, I've only, I'm only, I'm only publishing this currently for the uh, phone. Yeah, it's actually kind of two way. So the one thing you can do is when you package, you can package uh, for any, any of the three CPU structures, so 64, x86, or ARM. And then also when you create the listing on the store uh, and you upload the point. package, you can say desktop or mobile. You can pick okay. either either or both. So what we did at the time was we built for ARM and chose mobile in the store just to give ourselves right, you know, right. coverage. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second, and I want to talk about Infragistics. Yeah, if you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from Infragistics. And this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, they have controls for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, jQuery, HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids. They got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp. Charting, gauges, barcodes. It's all pretty simple using their controls. And if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs, they have a product called Indigo Studio too. It lets you get that prototype done so you can show this to the stakeholders and you know sell your ideas. Yeah. What I love about that, you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, all of these controls across all these different platforms, this is great. I mean, most people don't just develop one type of app now. So being able to to go and use these controls in every type of app 
all under one ultimate license is is really big plus. If we don't select you uh, each week, you could try again next week. And if you can't wait, they have free demos. So you can try it out for a month, download the demos and try it today. Yeah, check it out at infragistics.com. They're a free trial, so you have nothing to lose. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you get the ultimate edition for free, which includes everything. We thank them for their support of the MS Dev Show. So did you have any other apps in the stores before this? Yeah, um, personally, I've been a Windows Phone dev since, you know, since Windows Phone was introduced in 2010. Back in October of 2010, I downloaded that SDK and I went to town on it. Um, and my my highest grossing app, the, the best app that has the most uh, most revenue for me and the most downloads is Upload to YouTube. It was the first, um, probably not the only now, but the first definitely on Windows Phone 8.1 is when we finally got access to videos on the camera roll. And once they did that, I knew what I wanted to do, and that was create something that allows you to upload it to YouTube. And so I did that, and that's a really popular app for me. Um, you know, I get a few hundred dollars a month for the mats, which is, you know, pretty good for Windows Phone devs. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, my my newest project, uh, only for Windows 10, still uh, UWP though, right now is called T minus for Band, and it's actually a countdown application. So you can put in like how many days till Christmas, till my birthday, till my anniversary. Uh, and it synchronizes that to a tile on your band, uh, along with live tiles on the phone and, and all that stuff. So that was that was a fun one to develop. Oh, that's cool. Always have my kids. I have three boys, so they're always asking me, how many more days till my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> See, my kids always come with the math. They're just like 13 days, seven hours, five minutes, 15 seconds. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So how long did it take for you when you started the Wall Street Journal application to get from concept to the V1 in October? Yeah, so that was actually, we started, believe it or not, my first day at Dow Jones was July 6th. Um, so that's about three months. Oh, we wow. went we went from zero to 100 on mobile in three months with two guys. And I think this is part of what I view as a strength of the Microsoft development environment. Uh, you tell me another team that you know of that, that did that. Yeah, uh, that's, that's crazy. With so you two had, people and a designer. You had two people. Well, let's just say one and a half. Right. One and a half people, <laughs> um, you know, somewhere between one and a half and two people developing this thing. And, you know, a new employee, like sometimes it takes like three months uh, to ramp up. Yeah. You know, like at Microsoft, there's like this like 90 day period where you're like babysat sort of, you know, there's like this, this ramp up plan. Right. And you actually developed and ship the app. And this thing, uh, just so everybody knows, it was like, it's a five-star app yeah. and it looks awesome. And it, I mean, it's a good app. Right. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, not only that, but it, it, it doesn't just look awesome, but it looks like the wall street journal. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, this was my first experience, you know, I, I'd never done a, a mobile app for a corporation, uh, for, you know, been commissioned to do one where you have to worry about all of that branding and, you know, we got all the technical stuff done and I did some, you know, rudimentary UI from a desi- developer standpoint. We all know what developer designed UI looks like. Um, I had that done. And then it was, I mean, really, it was like six weeks of that time was just going around and round with the designer and tweaking. I mean, we, we you talk about Wall Street Journal, you're talking about a newspaper publication. So you can imagine the kind of feedback we were getting. I mean, we, it was literally one pixel to the font height, three pixels to the line height, you know, Make sure that this font has serifs here and here, but not here. Make sure. I mean, it was intense. Yeah. 
So even with that, though, it 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 turned it turned out awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. pretty quickly. So if you started this, you said July six. Yeah, that means you were working with the preview SDK as well for a period of time. Oh, absolutely. We didn't have the real SDK until what was it? November? No, not November. <laughs> no, no, it, it, was it was late August. Bit, it was early August because I had to talk early August and I was just lamenting that. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> so, yep. so that means for a period of time, you had not only uh, a preview SDK, but you had no documentation as well. Basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who was doing dev at that time knows the pain. <laughs> wow. Microsoft really treats their developers great. <laughs> well, it's better now. Yeah. Let's, let's put it well, as soon as it became official, <laughs> everything got released. Right. But uh, right, right. before then, I, I was working on some stuff then too. And I, I remember some of those pains. So I just wanted to you know, throw a little bit of context for people who didn't have that experience is what, what you were going through. Yeah, yeah it, was, so, it was intense. Yeah, so you were saying it was a great experience. Uh, so what, what types of things were like easier than what you thought? So I was, you know, all of my Windows Phone apps up until that point um, were Windows Phone Silverlight because that's mm-hmm. what Phone 7 started with. And I didn't have the time or energy to invest in relearning WinRT for phone. So all my apps had been Silverlight. So this was not only my first foray into UWP, but this was also my first step away from the Silverlight standpoint. And it was... When you couple the templates with the work that Jerry Nixon did for template 10, um, I think that you have a starting point that anybody can hit the ground coding. You can just focus on what you need to get done. What I loved about incorporating template 10 into our project, which still kind of to this day is in kind of a beta phase, was it takes care of all of that bootstrapping and that boilerplate for app suspend, app resume, app launch, all of that stuff. And I didn't have to fight any of that. And anybody who knows Silverlight versus WinRT knows that that's basically the biggest change was the app lifecycle and the code surrounding the app lifecycle. So is the Wall Street Journal based upon template 10 kind of as it is today, or is it kind of stuck on an earlier version of that? It's unfortunately, it's stuck on an earlier version. That's largely because, you know, I had to hit the ground running. There was no room for me to stop and re-pull template 10 and reintegrate into the code base. It was, I, we pulled it like maybe twice. And from there on out, it's just been either don't touch it or tweak what we need to tweak, do the cherry picks from GitHub that we need to get if there's been fixes. Um, we've actually submitted back, uh, I think I've submitted back 17 pull requests into template 10. Um, so we've been contributing back to it. We've been, you know, I, I actually got added to the collaborator group for template 10. So I've been fielding questions on pull requests and stuff like that, but we are unfortunately stuck on an earlier version. I would love to, when they ship, you know, a new solid NuGet version, I'd love to see if we can retarget, but you know, right now the app runs great on what it's on. So there's not a whole lot of motivation to do that. So what kind of things are different or newer in template 10 now compared to when you started I think they've really shorn up the mobile side because, like I said, we we actually shipped mobile first. And Template 10, unfortunately, was much more focused on big windows first. So I was finding tons of bugs on the mobile side as we were trying to do mobile first and submitting those back to Template 10 while, you know, Jerry and some of the other consumers were just gung-ho about big windows. So it was this it was this tough, this tough part. But I think that they've really shorn up the mobile support side of it. 
they've done a whole lot of work on a lot of helper classes like reading and writing settings, um, doing a splash screen for you, uh, just lots of helpers and services that they've built into it now. It seems to be kind of one of the main focuses of it. All right. So you, you kind of mentioned that it's still not quite at the full release stage. So, you know, as me as a developer who's going to do something new, should I just do File New Project in Visual Studio or should I pull Template 10 and kind of work with what they have? I think it would be worth trying the Template 10 NuGet project. Um, I think that that would be a really good place to start. Once Template 10 releases their Visual Studio Templates project, which I'm not sure if they've actually come down saying they're not going to or they are going to or if it's still on the roadmap, but once they actually ship that, I think we'll see uh, a new template within Visual Studio that'll be even, an even better starting point. I would So I would say use the NuGet project, um, you know, make your application, inherit from Bootstrapper, and go to town from there. Awesome. So kind of just jumping back to the Wall Street Journal again, you know, I really like leveraging Windows unique features like live tiles, uh, custom notifications, stuff like that. What kind of, uh, you know, these unique integrations does the Wall Street Journal app have? So, yeah, this was kind of like my specialty. Dow Jones brought me on because they wanted a Windows specialist. And so, you know, I, the the other guy that I worked with on the team, um, we, we kind of both split the work on the data layer for uh, pulling up the data. But then I was very much the, here are the different specialties that Windows offers, and we're going to use them. Um, so you have the ability in the Wall Street Journal to not only get push notifications that can dive you right down into an article, but also pin any section of the Wall Street Journal to your start screen or start menu and jump right into that section at any time. And those sections actually update their content on the tile every 30 minutes. Um, if you pin the app to your start screen, you get the latest story updated in the journal uh, over the last 30 minutes is what gets cycled through your start through the through the tile. Um, so those are a couple of the unique features. We're actually looking at Cortana integration for the future, stuff like search the Wall Street Journal for X or open the Wall Street Journal text section, and she'll go ahead and, and launch that for you. Uh, that's, def that's on our roadmap as something that we also want to knock out. So is this also a continuum ready as well? It is. It is actually. Um, you know, once the 950 launched, I made sure that we got one and we got the Continuum doc. And there was a couple of tweaks we had to make. Um, I think anybody who's been following that Continuum story and the device family story probably knows what we're talking about. But um, basically, if you had your application say, if I'm mobile, then use this view, you got really screwed up when Continuum launched. <laughs> so um, so we had to do, so, do a little bit of rework and it was a little learning experience there. But no, it's ready. Okay, that's pretty cool. Because like this app, I think is a, I'm going to use this as an example because you, you take it and you, you know, shrink it down to the 950 size and you get, you know, like basically a mobile view. So it's a good, uh, you know, like responsive modern app. Yeah. So it's a good example of that. Um, so you mentioned before that some of your apps were, you know, your apps previously had been done in silver light. I, I can't remember. Did you say like, or do you have those updated now? Like that upload to YouTube? Is that a universal app yet? It's not. And that's, okay. that's on my radar because there's actually a bug that Microsoft acknowledges in Silverlight apps uh, mm -hmm. on low memory devices with the file picker. So yeah. combine all of that together and it's a very bad situation for an app like Upload to YouTube. <laughs> so the, okay. file, the file picker actually crashes outright and will kill the app. And my most popular <laughs> device is the Lumia 520 by a long shot. Uh, so, so it was a universal app running on... The 520 and Silverlight. file picker. Silverlight. Silverlight app. 
Yep. Well, that's why. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering like if, so it, that's not keeping you from going to a universal. No, outdoor, it's right? not. I'm saying that that's like, that's a big impetus for me to get there. Oh, I got you. Uh, I got you. Okay. I, I definitely okay. want to do it. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, three boys at home, full-time job, trying to find that carve out yeah, that work. Sleep. You know? <laughs> Sleep's <laughs> overrated, right? Yeah. Cool. So is there any other apps or anything else that you're working on that you'd like to mention? Um, right now, we're actually doing a Xamarin project, uh, and we're hoping that we're going to be able to have something that is going to give Dow Jones a much bigger presence uh, in Windows and mobile in general. We're uh, Personally, I'm also working on uh, a, that, that T-minus for band is one that I'm working on. And I've got another one. My wife is a teacher, so she constantly comes up with ideas for me. Um, but I'm going to use, I think, what, what I think is interesting is I think T-minus for band, since the Microsoft band is capable to be run on Android and iPhones, it's actually a good story for me to use Xamarin personally and see if I can oh, come yeah. up with a cross-platform solution for that. So that might be another thing that I, that I uh, start working on here. That's also on my, my personal roadmap. <laughs> so did you have anything to do with the Wall Street Journal app like on iPhone and Android then? No, no, I didn't. That's what, um, so that so you're thinking about like having a, a common code base then for all those? Yeah, I, we're, it's definitely something we're talking about. You know, once okay. you once you spin up that mobile team and you start talking about three platforms, you qu- very quickly start asking each other, yo, how can we you know not write this three times? What can we do? Anything? What if anything can we do to alleviate this? And there's a bunch of ideas out there, bunch of frameworks, of course, um, but there's a bunch of different ways to solve that problem, and that's kind of part of what my next. Uh, my next goal at, at Dow Jones is going to be. Yeah, this is so the the iPhone app offers the Apple Watch app, uh, which is a, which is amusing because people are it, it it people are trying to you know find like useful apps and yeah like read <laughs> you know I'm not like I'm not like bashing you guys for creating it but um, it is it is just kind of amusing like who is reading the news on their on their watch I'm sure I'm sure some people are because I. It's it's funny because I've I've heard people asking about that like on the Apple Watch or like oh does that replace your phone? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually requires your phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and uh, and yeah, well, it has all the key apps apparently, so you can you can even read the news on it. So that's, that's pretty entertaining. Yeah, I was you know when we did the the Wall Street Journal app, I actually thought, hey, let's write a a tile for the band, and then I thought, wait a minute. What would the tile do? It would give you the breaking news, which comes. Yeah, I was going to say breaking not- news. It would, yeah. which come through as push notifications and get thrown to your t- to your band anyway. So yeah, what's the you point? get them anyway. Yeah, same on same on the Apple Watch, right? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get those popping up anyway because if you have all the notifications turned on. Right, right. It, anything else you wanted to mention or talk about or promote? Um, no, not really. You guys have given me given me a pretty good pretty good space here to talk about. You know personal and professional. So I appreciate yeah. the time. It was great. Oh, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's move on to the Azure pick of the week. So what I'm picking this week is Azure traffic manager. I don't believe that I've talked about this before, but what traffic manager is, is it's, it's basically a, a, a service. It's basically an endpoint that you create for your web application. Um, so you direct users to this endpoint or your applications to this endpoint and what it'll do, it has a couple different options, but what you can do is have it go to the data center. Like if you host your website in multiple data centers, you can have it, uh, direct users to the, the data center that is closest to the user. So you can get better performance. You can also use it for things like, um, failover where if the, um, if the primary data center goes down, it will go to a secondary data center. Um, so there's a couple different features like that. Um, it's really inexpensive to use. 
Um, it's basically, you know, based on a, on a DNS system. Uh, but if you are building an application that, um, you know, is, is fairly popular and you want to be in multiple data centers, throw this in front of it. This is always a good idea, uh, cause it's going to lower latency to your users or use this as a, as a failover system where you can have a secondary data center, uh, keep your site up, especially whenever it gets really popular. Cause that's probably when you want it up the most. Um, so that was our Azure pick of the week. Uh, do we have any other tips, Carl, other than yep. the fitness tip of the week? I'm, I'm going to pick an app of the week and, and, oh, and not only that, but I've okay. got a story behind it as well. So, okay. so this app of the week is upload to YouTube and I'm going to tell you the first time I used it. Um, <laughs> so a little bit of history, um, between uh, my, uh, social group of developers, uh, <laughs> we've all watched, uh, this, uh, online cartoon called, uh, llamas with hats. And the main character in there is Carl, obviously. Um, my name's Carl. So I get reminded <laughs> of this a lot. <clears throat> well, anyways, <clears throat> this is a cannibalistic llama that apparently eats faces and orphan meat and several other things. Well, <laughs> this this past summer, uh, I was at the drive-in theater. Uh, we have one in our uh, local town. And that's right next to a bank. And as we we're waiting for the movie to start, they've got one of those little uh, marquees in front of the bank that just, you know, puts faces. And I kept noticing that it kept pausing on, it said great faces, but it would like cut off the GR. So you would read eat faces. <laughs> so of course I recorded this with my windows phone and I used upload to YouTube for the first time to get that Hey-o. up on YouTube to, sh- to share to everybody. So uh, I thought that was funny, and uh, you can watch that little YouTube <laughs> clip right there, or you could go on YouTube awesome. and check out Llamas with Hats. Oh That's my funny. God. Carl, that kills people. Exactly. <laughs> okay, and I have a first ever and probably last ever fitness tip of the week, and I'm going to throw my opinion out here, and people can agree or disagree. I'd like to, I'd like to hear comments on this, but... Um, uh, I, I just think Fitbit is just dying. I think they're just, they're, I think they're dying. And, and my, my evidence for that, like everybody, it, it's such a shame too, because everybody knows the Fitbit name. Whenever they see my Microsoft band, they go, Oh, is that one of those Fitbits? <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, no, this is way better. Stop it. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so I was just looking recently on my Fitbit app and you have like the, I don't know what they call it. The, there's like the leaderboard. I can look at what it says. Uh, friends. And, um, I, you, I counted, I had over 20 friends in there. The only ones that are still using a Fitbit, there's only four left in that list. So I went from over 20 down to four. Like that's, yeah, I just, I think it's, I think it's dying. I, I don't know other than these people on this list. I don't know anybody who's using one anymore. Um, I'm sure there's still like, you know, millions and millions out there. And I'm sure lots of our listeners are like, oh, I still use a Fitbit and it is a great product. So I'm not saying that they're doing anything wrong. Um, it's just that, uh, it just seems like they're dying. But anyway, my, what, what my tip is, um, so I still use Fitbit, even though I use my band, uh, even though I also use the Microsoft band app, um, you can install the Fitbit app on any platform and you actually don't need to have a Fitbit to use it. 
So it will actually use the data off of your motion sensor in your phone. As long as you have a modern phone, it will work. It works on Windows phone. It works on iPhone. I haven't tested on Android, but I'm assuming it works. Uh, but it uses that motion sensor to, to track your steps. And it will actually augment, even if you have a Fitbit, it works pretty slick. So if you forget your Fitbit somewhere, and it used to be like I never wanted to walk if I didn't have it with me because it didn't count for anything. Uh, but having your phone with you will count the steps. So even though I don't personally still use a Fitbit anymore, I still use the app because it's such a nice app. And um, and it's still tracking my steps. Does so it track use the a Fitbit steps, without a Fitbit. Does it what track the steps from the band or just from the phone sensors? Just from the phone. Okay. So, um, yeah, and actually the Microsoft, I should say too, I mean, the Microsoft Health app pulls it in as well. So you can use the Microsoft Health app. I think you still, ha- you have to have a Microsoft band to use that app. But even when you don't have your band with me, your phone will still track for that app as well. Yeah, that was true on phone 8.1, but on phone 10, that option's gone in the motion. Gone? In the motion settings. I'm what? really disappointed about it too. What? I'm hoping they add it back, but okay. yeah, I was really disappointed I'm going to make sure somebody gets too. fired over that. Go for it. Yes, please do. <laughs> no, I have, I have no no power of the type. <laughs> that's, well, that's disappointing. Yeah. I'm sure, that, yeah. I'm sure it'll come back in, but it's disappointing in the short term. Yes. So is that true? Um, I wonder if that's true in the Fitbit app. Cause I know Carl told me it used to be cause whenever I worked with the, um, with the motion, uh, processor, you had to use the Nokia sensor, sensor core, core SDK. Yeah, sensor core, yeah. Um, and now that's just part of windows, right? So now you can use the, the dot sensors namespace. Yeah. So I'm wondering it's, so actually it's probably not windows. Well, it's probably the band team's fault. They probably have to build into the app. Yeah. So the health app. Yeah. Okay. So it's probably just a matter of time and the Fitbit. So the Fitbit app probably still works. Um, they probably updated their app already. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so give it a try. It might work for you. Yeah. I'm going to give that a try right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, do it. Uh, <laughs> okay, Brandon. So where can people find you? Actually, we're missing the game, game, Jason. We don't want the oh, feedback. Oh. Okay. I'm pulling it out right now. Okay, Brandon. You got to pick a number between one and four. Oh, one and four? Yeah. Does it have to be a whole number? Yes. Uh, I don't three. care. It doesn't have to be a hole. <laughs> Jason will just pick one at random then. You don't even have to pick a number to an own four. Three. Like, it's three. still going to work. We'll do three. Three. Would you, oh my God. Would, oh, no. I think we already had this one, but that's okay. Would you rather laugh when you should cry and cry when you should laugh or never be able to do either one? Uh, never be able to do either one. I'm a, really, I'm a, I'm a cynical introvert by trade. So that would actually be pretty easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do laugh quite a bit. So, well, yeah, I yeah, think so never be, be able to. yeah, that's true. I, you know what? You probably picked the right option because you'd be crying all the time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You'd be like, what's wrong with that guy? Like, my he just tears, cries at anytime somebody says something. Time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Carl, you want one? I'll pick two. Two. Would you rather have a head that is perfectly round like a basketball, but normal in every other way? There's, I think there's people like that. I'm going to say that. I think that's the way my head kind of is. (laughs) It's not. I wasn't going to say it. It's not even bad. (laughs) Actually, what's funny, you know who pops right into my mind is um, Amy Pond from uh, Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. But anyway, or have both feet the exact size and shape as shoe boxes. Oh, come on. That's an easy one. Yeah, I'm going to go with the head. (laughs) Yeah. Just wave my wand. There you go, Carl. Okay, Carl, have we have we checked everything off the list? Did I forget anything else? I think we're good. Just keep to the document, Jason. <laughs> There's a document this whole time. We actually had like something that could help us. I've been doing this off of memory. So, Brandon, where can people find your cool stuff? Um, you just search BC3Tech anywhere, and you will find me. Um, I'm 
if I've signed up for a service, it's under BC3 Tech. Um, okay. So uh, my publisher name under the Windows Store is BC3 Technologies. Okay. Um, so you can find my apps there. But uh, my website is bc3.tech. And okay. that'll that'll take you take you to my blog. So, yeah. Okay. What about uh, on the Twitters? On the Twitters, B- BC3 Tech. Okay, perfect. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me at wpdevguy.com or on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about this awesome app. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs>